Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Huge week for Wisconsin. They go on the road, beat number then, number 19, Michigan, break their five game winning streak, come home. And just get by Minnesota 71-69 in a thriller at, at the Kohl's Center. And they have now won six straight games. They are 19-10 and 10 overall, 12-6 and six in Big Ten play. And in a tie for second place and just a game back with two games to play of Maryland for a potential Big Ten title. It's almost unfathomable that you uttered that sentence. <laughs> this, has been, this has been one of the most remarkable stretches of basketball that we've seen in the last few years for sure. And... Six games ago when they left Williams Arena, looked really bad in a loss to Minnesota. I think we still felt like they had done enough at that point with all the quality wins that they would potentially be an NCAA tournament team, but it was far from a guarantee. They were 13-10. and 10. They were at 500 in league play. They were in a tie for seventh with Minnesota, by the way. Those two teams have gone in completely different directions. They have. So for them to do what they've done, win six straight games, and now vault into the AP Top 25 at number 24 for the first time all season... It speaks to what the players have been able to do, rallying after the Kobe King situation and his departure. And I think Greg Gard and the coaching staff, even though Greg would be the first to tell you it's the players, the coaches have some say in this and the direction that players head. There's no doubt, as you mentioned, into the top 25 for the first time this year, it means they will have been ranked uh, at least one week and every year since 2002, 2003, except for one. And that was two years ago when they had their, uh, <laughs> their one down year. You would say. But, yes, into the top 25, eight, eight Big Ten teams are in the top 25. They make up, I think there's four of the five, make up 20 through 25. So, um, but yeah, Wisconsin in that three-way tie with Illinois and Michigan State and Maryland just a game ahead. And if you look at the schedules of all the teams, you certainly have to feel Wisconsin has an advantage there. Right, because Wisconsin's got Senior Day coming up this week against Northwestern, which is two and sixteen in Big Ten play. That's they are the same. they are they are on a one game winning streak. Yes, though. against Nebraska. So I don't know. Does that count? Does that count as a half game? It, it counts as a win. Hey, Wisconsin. If we get if <laughs> Wisconsin gets counted as two wins, you know, Northwestern counted as three, maybe. All right, that, that that's true. So yes, Northwestern and Nebraska are both the bottom feeders right now at two and sixteen. Then they've got that road game against Indiana next Saturday. Indiana's been playing a little bit better. Yeah, that's 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 not going to be easy going into Assembly Hall against an Indiana team that we've been saying for several weeks is going to be desperate. Yeah. They might need that win to potentially give themselves an NCAA tournament chance, or I mean, at least... They're in right now, but you never know. Right. But you're right, because Maryland's closing with Rutgers and Michigan. And that's at Rutgers, where Rutgers is a different team. And so if Maryland loses one of those games... Just one. And Wisconsin closes out and miraculously goes 8-0 down the stretch. They earn a share of the Big Ten Championship. Which would be their first since 2015. And, and as improbable as any of these Big Ten titles you know, in, the, in this stretch, probably to go along with the 2001-2002 one that I don't believe that they were not ranked that year. Um, and they, and they, they, they got a share of the Big Ten title in Bo Ryan's first season. Like that would be up there, right? Which yeah. one, I mean that that one or this one? What do you think? I'm probably uh, probably that one, right? Well, b- because it was the first year and it, they hadn't had had not won a Big Ten title in like fifty some odd years at that point. So, or no, maybe what was it? Forty seven years. It was it was an, a long time between Big Ten titles, but and they started that season off a little bit wrong too. But this this is just different because the stuff that they've been through this year 
and being left for dead probably a month ago after Kobe King uh, left the team and you were dealing with then the Eric Helen situation comes along and you'd already been dealing with the Howard Moore and the Micah Potter, like one after another, and yet here they are, uh, 12 and 6, and I, I'm kind of – I'd like to see Wisconsin, you know, because of what they've gone through, you know, be able to f- finish this out, but I also wouldn't be opposed to 13 and 7 and a six-way tie for the first place, <laughs> which is also a possibility. That would be the epitome of what Big Ten basketball has been this yeah. season. But back to your point about the Big Ten regular season champions, there aren't, there isn't a long list here in in recent memory. You know that this would be if it happened only the second time in the last twelve years. Because before 2015, 2008 yeah. was the last title, and obviously we know that 2015 team was the greatest team we've ever seen. And so, yes, considering everything they've gone through, it would be one of the more remarkable seasons that we've seen. And I think it's worth noting, you talked about all the adversity that this team's had to overcome. Greg Gard said after the game, among other things, he said, quote, this group has been through more than any team I've been around in 30 years, and I can't be more proud of what they've accomplished to this point, and the neat thing is they want more, end yeah. quote. I thought that was pretty telling. He's been around a lot of teams, and very few have dealt with as many setbacks as this group has. And that wasn't, and that was an answer to your question, you know, how they got to this position, and I actually kind of like the entire answer. The entire answer is really good. I'm gonna, well, you know what? Let's. I'm gonna throw his entire answer in here, right here. So here, here's what he had to say to that question that Jesse posed to him uh, on uh, Sunday night. Well, I think it's a credit to our guys. I mean, it's nowhere else do you look to than those guys in that locker room and what they've done and how they've unified and bonded together and and played for each other and played for what's on the front of their jersey and done it in such an unselfish manner that they don't care. I mean, I know who led us in scoring tonight, Brad. So, you know, X number of games we've had different leading scores all the time, and, and I think that just shows you the not only the uniqueness of this team because we do it by committee, but also uh, the unselfishness of this group. And, you know, they, they're sitting, you know, with the, still with the shot, you know, with the chance to, to get a piece of this. So um, they, they've handled things in a very mature, appropriate way and, and taken a walk through this season day by day and have handled the challenges that have come at them, both internally and externally, in, a, in, a, in the right manner, and, and it's paid off. I mean, it's, it's been a great life lesson experience for them that if you stay true to who you are and stick together and help the guy to your right and your left, that a lot of good things can happen. And this group, of, this group has gone through more than any team I've been around in 30 years, and I can't be more proud of what they've accomplished to this point. And the neat thing is they want more. You know, they're, they're excited and preparing and already, what are we gonna, how are we gonna play on Wednesday? And what do we gotta do to get ready for Wednesday? Um, they don't get caught up in, in the success they've had. They're, they're hungry for more, and that's, that's been the fun part and the neat part about these guys to watch them kind of come together and, and have that mentality. So, obviously, the, the quote that you gave was part of that answer, but it was the entire thing, and it was kind of some of the stuff that he has been talking about, you know, for the last few weeks, where they, you know, playing for the name on the front, not for anything on the back, and you know, being selfless and all that stuff. But they're sitting here with a shot, a shot. That's all, and that's all you could hope for at this point. Again, where does and I don't have a vote. You don't have a vote, but in terms of Big Ten Coach of the Year. He's got to be up there, right? I, mean, I know who, Dan Dockett said on the television broadcast earlier in the week that that Greg was the Big Ten Coach yeah. of the Year. There's a number of great candidates. The big the, any Coach of the Year honor, I think, is 
It's always interesting to me because if you're supposed to be good and you lead your team to an undefeated season, you're never going to win Coach of the Year right. honors. Well, it's like the Urban Meyer thing. Like exactly. Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer never won Big Ten Coach of the Year, and yet Ryan Day in his first year wins it. And so it's all about perception and what expectations are going in. But this is a Wisconsin team that was picked before the season by the league's media members to finish sixth. And I do think if they... Is it fair to say that the last two games will dictate which coach is the coach of the year? Potentially. But because, I, because, well, here, who are the other candidates, right? So I don't think Mark... Steve Tur- Peichel at, Steve at Rutgers? Pe- Steve Peichel, but they've lost, they've lost a bunch of games here of late. Mm-hmm. Um, Does Mark Turgeon... I don't think so. They were supposed to be good. Yeah, like, <laughs> that, like that. that's the thing. And Tom Izzo is never going to get the credit that Brad he deserves. Underwood. Brad Underwood probably, I think is probably the main competition there. I would think so. Y- year three, and then also Penn State, too. Pat Chambers. With Pat Chambers, they've been, they're right there. I mean, they're they a game back of Wisconsin. So, I mean, you could follow, Penn State's out of, out of nowhere. Illinois, you feel like it kind of, I mean, they haven't really showed anything these last two years, but yeah, those I, to me, those are the, probably the three. I think, honestly, if Wisconsin closes here with eight straight wins, Maryland loses once, and the Badgers earn even a share of the conference title. I, d- I don't know who could be upset with Greg Gard earning Big Ten Coach of the Year honors. It would just be unbelievable. And again, it's not just the coach, right? why this team would, would be playing the way it is, but he is the leader of this program. And I know this doesn't factor into the equation, but let's look back just a few weeks ago, a month ago, when so many things are swirling around the program and there are, granted, a, a fringe out there, but questioning whether Greg should be the head coach of this program. And he's responded in an unbelievable way, and so is this program. And, and again, as we said before, given the infrequency with which Wisconsin has won a conference title, if they earn a share, I think Greg should be Big Ten Coach of the Year. Yeah, no doubt. And it, I agree with that. The uh, whole fire Greg Gard thing, I don't know. If, I'm sure you saw the picture a month ago about in, one, in a dorm. I think it might have been Og downtown and it said fire guard asap it was like on three different levels like stairs and uh a month later they've lost one game since then and have pushed themselves into this position it was ridiculous at the time to talk about greg Garb being fired it, it it looks absolutely asinine I'm trying to think of a good enough word to to talk about here it's asinine it was stupid it was pathetic it was overreactionary which is not a word but it was like all like all those things balled into one and you know they have the people that were calling for it have to own it and that's never going away i don't think anybody calling for it is probably going to step out and own much oh, of it you you should you? you'd be surprised so All i right. posted so i posted the picture saying this was a month ago and someone got in my mentions and said i stand by my statement well that's not owning how wrong you were then <laughs> or oh right right but what i'm saying is oh no that there oh there are other people that have been owning that they were wrong okay but i have there's other people that are sitting there and saying nope still still the case still the case he just started running an offense it, it took these kids saying that to have him start running an offense what <sighs> the epitome of stubborn i suppose yeah but either way so yeah i mean it, but it was a, it was a tough time back then but i still remember the headlines rob douster Talking about how this team has fallen into disarray, and that uh, you know Wisconsin has big problems. There was other podcasts that had Wisconsin has big problems. They're going, everything's rolling the wrong way downhill. And I just felt at the time, based on what Wisconsin has shown over the last close to twenty years, the over to overreact 
to a minor blip, considering they've had zero drama for much of these last 20 years, for that to happen, you know, was, was insane and ridiculous. That's actually part of why I think Greg is the right coach for this program is because it's, it's precisely because he doesn't have time to pay attention to any of that stuff. And I know you could say that about most coaches, but there are some coaches who certainly pay far more attention to what's being written and said about them. And I'm not saying that he wasn't aware of it, obviously, as we've talked about before. We know how important, for example, that Michigan State game was in the aftermath of Kobe leaving and then being on a two-game losing streak and falling apart at the end of Iowa and the fact that his family members were there. And like, things being said about him Yes, uh, that no one had ever said about him. But it, I think that hurt him. I, I don't have any doubt that it, it would, any of us, if we heard those types of comments about us. But I guess what I mean is, from a day-to-day going to work and grinding through things, he was with Bo Ryan for 20-plus years, and Bo always talked about that. I'll... I'll I vaguely remember, I think Wisconsin had beaten Illinois. It was like Illinois was a top 25 team, and it was a really significant win during a season where they weren't great one of those years. And Bo came to the microphone afterward, and people wanted to kind of praise Wisconsin about this big win, and all he would say is that it's all about next. He loved to say that it's all next. And Greg, obviously, being around Bo for 20 years plus, understands that philosophy. And so I just think it's been really important for him to grind it out day by day and players follow suit and you're seeing just all the fruits of that labor coming to fruition now. They're seven and two since Kobe King left. They are a better basketball team somehow without Kobe King. I just didn't know that that would be possible. Well, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Like, but and maybe it was just things that they were saying because what else were they going to say in the moment? But Demetri Trice talked about it like a week or two after Kobe had left, and it it wasn't it wasn't about what we lost, it's what we gained and what we lost. Does that make sense? Like what they they gained something by Kobe King leaving. And I don't know exactly I can't put my finger on exactly what they gained, but I feel like it brought them even brought them closer together for whatever reason. Even though I thought that they I mean at, at times this year, earlier in the year, they maybe weren't all on the same page and, and I feel like you have to rally and they've had to rally a bunch. A lot. A lot. It's going to sound like a list of cliches. I know. But that stuff is true. That's why teams are able to thrive. I do think there's something to be said for the togetherness that they're playing with and the connectedness. And Brad Davison talked about it after the game. More of that was kind of on-court play, that the the ball is moving very well and that there are three, four, five, six guys that can lead the team in scoring, which I think we may touch on too, which is why have they been able to win six straight games? Maybe we can get to that in another segment. But just in general, yeah, it's... I don't know if there was a realization that if we don't, the leaders of this team come together right now, this season is going to collapse. They obviously were able to do it, and they figured out the lineups. That, to me, was, from an on-court perspective, the biggest question is, well, what do you do now? You just lost your second-leading scorer, a guy who's taken the second-most shots on the team, a very significant player. You've got the same guys on the team, but you know, basically one less guy in the rotation. How are you going to fill that void? And everybody that needed to has stepped up in a big way. Brevin Pritzel has been phenomenal. Trevor Anderson, Demetric Trice, you name it. Brad Davison, I could go on down the list. Yeah, I, Remarkable doesn't isn't a strong enough word to say what they've done, but that's what I'm going to go with. It, it's been absolutely unbelievable that Wisconsin has two games left in the regular season and can potentially earn a share of the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our sold or not sold. We kinda, so earlier this year, it, I think it was before Micah got back in the lineup, right? And kind of just 
base and this is back then the like he better be Michael Jordan but you know they that's what they need when he comes back cuz they were 5 and 5 when he came uh and they needed him to be great and we kind of asked the question here was who would have a bigger impact Quintez Cephas the the impact that Quintez Cephas had on the football team or the impact Michael Potter would have on the basketball team and we both thought Quintez right like what he brought to that to that passing game over 900 yards receiving and it was they were just a different offense with him in it and someone compared uh, made the comparison that maybe Michael Potter would probably be able to be like a Isaiah Loudermilk and a Garrett Rand, bringing them back into the back into the fold, help the rest of the defense because it you know every, everybody else he's been significantly more than that. But I'll, here's the here's the sold or not sold. Michael Potter has had a bigger impact on the basketball team than Quintez Sivas on the football team. This is a really tough and complicated answer, but I'm inclined to say yes because sold. sold. Quintez only played one side of the ball. Like in basketball, that's not how it works. And the stuff that Mike has been able to do, not only offensively and in, in, in getting Nate rest and things like that, but defensively, rebounds per game. He leads the team in rebounds per game, and he's only playing 17 and a half minutes per game. And we talked last week about how he was in the 50% on threes. He's not there now. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he's, 50, he's 50% still from the well, field. He's under 90% on free There throws. you go. That's, that's, that's the one. He. Oh, yes. And at the end of the game... <laughs> He was so upset. Like I, him missing those two free throws at the end, I think will bother him and uh, for until they play Northwestern. I'm sure they. I'm sure they will. But it's it's this really tough comparison. It's we're, we're obviously drawing this just because it's two really good players in the same program in different sports and like late additions. Yeah, like Quintez showed up ten days before the season. Uh, Micah showed up ten games into the season. Like yeah, there. That's where the parallels. I think is what I is where I was going with that. But I don't know what that the football team's offense would have looked like without Quintez that would he wind up with 900 plus yards receiving 901 seven I think touchdown catches seven or eight touchdowns he was just unreal down the stretch yeah and so I, I guess I would have to look at this from what would the football team's record have been without Quintez and what would the basketball team's record be without Michael Potter well we saw that they were five and five without Micah yeah they are 12 and five with him 19 and 10 yeah, that's not right. Fourteen yeah. and four, fourteen yeah. and five. Yeah, I'm not a math major. English. Yes. Fourteen and five with him, and playing their best basketball right now. So, I'm not going to hedge by saying it's a tie, since I'll be a prisoner of the moment. I'll, I'll say Micah, given what he does on both ends of the floor, and the direction this program is headed, because we've got more concrete evidence of what it looked like without him. Although, to be fair. We saw what the football team looked like without Quintez in 2018, and it was not very good offensively. Uh, that That's accurate. And now we'll get to see what the football team looks like without Quintez and Jonathan Taylor this fall. That's going to be interesting to see. And spring practice gets going here in a little bit. I know we're not a football podcast, but I have to mention this. Despite all those losses, I mean, they bring back nine starters on defense and all that stuff. All those losses on the offensive side of the ball, and yet they're still considered a top 10 team in ESPN's FPI and, and all this other stuff. Like, I don't understand that at all. We'll, we'll get to that though when we when we get back to the camp we may do an episode or two during spring practice when it gets uh, going here in in, uh, in a few weeks but I just had to mention that because it just it boggles the mind either way the basketball team has benefited more at least in my opinion from Micah than for the football team did from Quintez but like they both bring not just what they do but how they act and the people how people react to them like Quintez Sivas was among the most loved guys on that team and it wasn't you know, and you don't usually get that. And it, and it wasn't just skill position players. It was the offensive line. It was the the defense. Like, it was everywhere. And, you know, Micah has that 
fire that I don't think necessarily there's a ton of guys on this team that have that all the time. Like he is the biggest towel waver uh, known to man on the bench whenever he's there. But even when he's on the on the floor, he's like he turned this during the free throws late in that game. He was turning the student section, like trying to get them to go, and you could hear him on the telecast yelling. So they he brings they both bring a ton, but I think that the the basketball team would be in a much much different position without Micah at this point. So Minnesota did not shoot it well from the free throw line yesterday, right? What were they? 13 for 23. 13 for 23, and they lose by two. So I'll ask, so with that in mind, I'll ask this question. Minnesota beat themselves more than Wisconsin beat them. No, I can't say that. Sold or not sold? I'm not sold. <laughs> forgot the name of the game here. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to ask the question. I, Minnesota was down 12 points and. I think 12, and they came all the way back. In three minutes? Yeah. Um, so they got themselves back into the game, and Wisconsin made the plays that it had to make. Like That's been the sign of yes, the quality of this team down the stretch. There's a few that stand out. I think we should talk about them. That, to me, is a sign that Wisconsin is winning the game. It, this is the stuff that always shows up on Around the Horn or PTI or stuff like that. Yeah. Did this team win it, or did this team blow it? I'm telling it? you, I'm t- uh, look... They lost by two. They yeah. shot 13 to 23 from the free throw line, and they had a couple of opportunities to make that uh, uh, a tie game, and they couldn't do it. Yes. They faltered down the stretch. They made some mistakes, but I'm more inclined to view the other side and say Brad misses a three. The ball bounces out. He pops the ball loose, gets leveled, and Demetric jumps, catches it, and finds Brevin in the corner for a three. Some of that may be luck, but it's it's you create your own luck. It's a hustle play. It was a hustle play. There's no doubt about it, but there's little luck to it. Absolutely. Yeah. The execution with the the back door yes. to Aleem Ford for the two-handed dunk, the way they read it that apparently Aleem said after the game that Brevin called that one out and Dimitrik delivers a perfect pass. Those are the types of things where you have to execute. That was one of the best games I think I've seen this season just in terms of back and forth from Wisconsin. Wisconsin yeah. that had 17 lead changes and eight ties and the last minute alone was just all over the place every possession yeah and so and that's like, a desperate team that's I mean Minnesota played like a desperate team and thought they actually played well and, and Richard Pitino said it as much afterwards obviously he'd like to have those free throws back but they he thought they played pretty well and they scored 41 points in the second half mm-hmm. Wisconsin's defense that's something we could I mean if we want to all the great stuff that has happened uh these last six games their defense these last three have not been great uh, they've they've given up. I mean, both teams, both Rutgers and Michigan, shot over fifty percent from the field. You know, Minnesota scores forty one there in the second half. Like, th- there's some concerning aspects of here as well for Wisconsin. Yeah, I I do think it's worth mentioning though the best defensive play of the game, which is a big reason Wisconsin wound up winning this game. Daniel Oturo just dominated that game beast. for long stretches. Yeah. He finished with twenty six points and twelve rebounds, and he scored. A really tough shot over Nate Reavers to give Minnesota the lead briefly. Yep. And obviously, when the Gophers were down, you're going to go to your best player in the post because, yep. as I said, he'd been dominant. Nate walled up, and he played really good defense, and he blocked a shot on Oturu, and Nate did not have a great game. No. But when they needed him, he came through. And so those are the types of plays that, as they stack up, that's why Wisconsin won this game. Yeah. There was, there was one... Earlier in the season, the, the Purdue game, when Matt Painter talked afterward about the like the 50-50 and the hustle balls, and sometimes those make the difference in a game, that's what Wisconsin's been able to do right. during this stretch, and it's what you have to do when you are overachieving 
at this point. Yeah, I'll, I'll which com- shouldn't be. Sometimes that can have a negative connotation, but you're not. That's no. not what I mean. But right, right, no. But like for, I think as frustrating as is is for fans for them not to be able to put their their heel on a team's neck and and knock them out in this stretch. That Purdue game should not have gone down to the wire. I mean, they 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 could not finish that off. They've they've had some struggles in in you know the Michigan game. They were up by double digits and they couldn't finish that that off like originally off and then this one and yet i'll say this at the end of the game they found a way in all three of those situations found a way to get the win michigan state as well gave up a 18 point lead and yet they were able to finish off that game like all these games that they've won in this stretch it's it's had some similar feel to it and yet at the end they were able to find a way to win games in the clutch and that's what it's gonna that's what it's gonna take not just this week but Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament, if you're going to make any kind of a run, you have to be good in the final couple of minutes. And um, they have been, even if they haven't been great, you know, from that maybe that 10-minute mark down to the <laughs> three or four minutes, you know, left in the game. You know, it's wild since we haven't talked about the NCAA tournament yet. They're projected as a five seed. Yeah. I never thought they'd get to that point. I thought best case scenario, they get to a six. Well, that's the highest I've seen him. Uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Lenardi has him as a five. That's the that's the highest I've seen anybody with him. I think a lot of people have him still as a six. Some have him as a seven. But um, if they, I mean, if they, as you said, if they finish eight straight here, there's no way they're not going to be a five, and potentially higher than that. Now, did you see where they uh, Joe Lenardi has them uh, in the five twelve matchup against Yale and, and Spokane, and potentially who could be waiting there in the second round? Oregon, Oregon, of that would all be teams. something. I don't think anybody wants to see Peyton Pritchard again. Do you want to see? I mean, I don't think any Wisconsin fans want to see Peyton well, Pritchard again. I'd like again. to see it, but you, I don't know that's, that Wisconsin that's wants what, to. Again, that's why I changed that. You, I was about to ask you, would you like to see it again? I don't think any Wisconsin fans would like to see Peyton Pritchard again. Right? I mean, that, he he was fantastic last year, and um, obviously Oregon's a little bit different team. But again, I, at some point this year, I think there were some that didn't even think they were going to make the tournament, and now they are uh, locked into the tournament and potentially could get as high as a four, you would think. Maybe, maybe four. Um, and at that point, that's just boggles the mind as to, parent, as to where you thought they could be. So you wanted to talk about how they got to six straight wins, right? You want what they've been doing in this stretch to get to 19 and 10, what's changed. And I think we kind of talked about offensively, what is, what has changed for them so much that, uh, they're in this position? Well, Greg mentioned it after the game that it's, it's un- this team is unique because it's required a by committee approach. It's basically Wisconsin's running back room next season, <laughs> potentially. And he talked about the unselfishness. But the first five wins of this winning streak, they had a different leading score every night. This goes back, we talked about this before the season. Why we thought, at least why I thought, I think we were of the same opinion, why this team could potentially be better than the team that we saw last year. Yeah. That was dominated by Ethan Happ. He's an All-American, understandably so. But they had every guy they put on the floor could potentially lead this team in scoring. It was just a matter of, are they going to do it? If they do it, will it be consistent enough? And the whole first few months of the season, that's what I said, show me. Yeah. We, we talk, we, you see it once, and then they go out and lay an egg. Or right. they shoot two for 26 from three against New Mexico, and that's in the back of your head every single time they take the floor afterward. And that's slowly evaporated here because they've needed a different guy every night. Aleem Ford has a career-high 19 points against Purdue. He makes five three-pointers. Brad ties a career-high with 30 points against Nebraska. Career-high eight three-pointers. Ties a single-game program record. Dimitrik scores 28 against Michigan. Micah had 18, uh, which was a team high in one of the wins. And so Brevin, too, had 19. 
that's what it's going to take for them to succeed. We are in March. This is March. This is March, John. <laughs> yes, it's it's official. Yeah. John Rothstein. Yes. Right? But I think that's what's been so special about this group. Has anybody ever managed to get their name onto something and just hold on to it? Like, just, it's, yeah, it's March. This is March. And yet, when you say that, at least in college basketball circles, everybody knows exactly who you're talking about. I got to get some cool trademark, put That's, it on a t-shirt. Yeah. But he does get some credit for the Greg Gard silent assassin. He does. Yeah. I, I'll be honest, I kind of prefer the Bo Ryan. He's a thief. He's a thief? Yeah, he's a thief. I don't remember that one. Maybe That, that might not have been Rothstein. That might have been somebody else. But uh, yeah, Bo Ryan's a thief. I hope someone has that who's listening has that t-shirt out there. They can tweet us. if they're, if Does one exist? A Bo Ryan, he's a thief shirt? I'm, I'm almost positive. You know what? I'm almost positive it was not John Rothstein. It was uh, Jay Billis, maybe? I don't know. I'm sure someone listening has the Silent Assassin shirt, though. Oh, f- yes, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, no. So getting back to what Wisconsin has done offensively, it, it seems like a lot of two-man game. Um, and then there's some called plays, too. Like the call play coming out of the timeout, to get Brevin the three was masterfully done. Uh, the you know, and I've seen we've seen, they've run that play a bunch this year, but it was just so well done. And he pops right up and drills it, and that's coming out of the timeout, and that's drawn up. That's great guard. You know I, what I mean? Calling that, drawing that up, calling it. And the greatest thing about it is, it's not just great guard. It's guys. It's guys suggesting stuff in the huddle too, and and all everyone buying in, and the coaching staff being willing to listen to him. I think you're right because as we said. Brevin is the one who, the the game winning play. Yes, yeah, insisted there, or he, they, he saw something. He saw that it was a Aleem said it was a read that they could have run earlier in the game, but they didn't, and he was glad they saved it. But Brevin felt like that was the right time to do it, and it it worked because he just got it was, so, the, the defender came got off, so yeah, lost. Demetri came off a, an, an on ball screen from Reavers, and it put Minnesota defensively in a position where they were like. Do you commit to Demetric? So there's two guys that are rotated over there, and then the guy who's off the ball was guarding Aleem was a freshman and ha- was nice. looking at Nate His because eyes, you got to guard somebody, yeah. and Aleem went back door, and it was all over, and he got the dunk. And I think it. I, I want to mention what Demetric has done too. That was probably the easiest pass you could make. He was wide open. But in the last nine games, he's got 54 assists and 15 turnovers. And he had six assists and just one turnover on Sunday. That's been consistent. Obviously, it takes your teammates making shots, which didn't happen earlier in the season, but he's just been making the right reads and the right decisions and playing like a point guard has to play in this offense. And even when there are games offensively when he struggles, he's been able to to play with consistency and passing the ball, and I just that has made a world of difference here down the stretch, too. It, it, it's no surprise that as they're 7-2 and two without Kobe, it coincides with Dimitrik having that nine-game run. I wanted to look something up because I, I, I noticed his uh, assist per game. I think he's, it's like 4.2 per game. Is that what he's up to now? I think so. 122 divided by 29. Quick math skills. <laughs> you go ahead and do that. Yeah, 4.2. How many he's got in the season? He's got 122 assists. So he's going to be in the top 10 for a single season. I mean, the, the he's sitting just sitting right by uh, Trevon Davis which I guess kind of makes sense because that won the unexpected Big Ten title in, in 2002. He was part of that. I mean, he's got, you know, if he keeps up, he's got a shot to, to potentially get to get into the top five for the season itself. I mean, if he, he's playing the way he is. Um, however, it's insane. Ethan Happ had 153 assists last year. 
<laughs> well, he had the ball in his hands a lot. I know, but that's that's a lot of assists for uh, a center, a big guy. Gosh, she was a complete player except for his inability to shoot. Um, was that mean? That was mean. You can say what you want. I can. You're right. Um, so we'll get into some of your Twitter questions now. Uh, CT Badger says the batters appear to be dunking at an unprecedented rate with at least three guys throwing down regularly. Does Brevin make four? What's happening here? <laughs> I that's the first time I've ever heard that. Really? Dunking at an unprecedented rate for Wisconsin? I don't know. They threw down some pretty sweet dunks 2014-15. They did. I don't have the ratio on no? on dunk. They don't have any they don't have any flashy dunkers. Mm-hmm. They don't have a, they don't have a Khalil Iverson, right? They have some surprising dunkers. Right. Like Micah Potter's one-handed jam against he Rutgers dunks with yeah. force. He does. He comes for soul sometimes. He he, he <clears> I mean <throat> he He's not messing around when he goes in there. And Brevin, Brevin, he's got a couple Brevin breakaway dunks. Down, he's got a couple, break, yeah, a couple breakaway dunks uh, this year. Aleem throws it down hard. Um, you know, Micah as well. Or excuse me, uh, Nate. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about unprecedented rate, but I mean, they've they've had their share of of dunks. I don't have the ratio, but they've been more entertaining of late. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to ask, rephrasing last week's question. That we did answer. Uh, Trice's floor leadership, offensive pacing, and ball distribution, and defensive stop role have been the key to the Badgers' resurgence since King's departure. Prove Ooh, me wrong. The key. I just got done praising him in, in this nine-game stretch. Yeah. And I sort of feel like my praise was good enough describing him as the key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's the thing is I, I can't say there's the key with heard, this team. Yeah. But I, it's been a significant factor. So is that like hedging on this answer no no I, I personally think since kobe king left if we're just talking about kobe king's departure who has who has taken the biggest jump up it's been a lean forward and i don't think it's particularly close if, if we're just talking about kobe king's departure uh, you go back to you know middle of january with dimitrik right like he's been he's been really good probably going all the way back. If, if you go back to the first mission state game like after that he's been really good and i guess Pretty much, Kobe left essentially soon after that. But to me, Aleem has been the difference, both scoring defensively and then also his rebounding. And he's been—he was not a good rebounder until like the last ten games, like or not—I mean, say the last ten games, last nine games, last eight games. He has not been—he had not been a good rebounder before that, and now all of a sudden, he is consistently getting exactly what they need for him from him. I think that's fair because he had. It was at the time a career high nine rebounds against Ohio State, and then they go out a week later against Nebraska, and he has a career high ten, and he's had seven. He had eight against Michigan, and he had six against Minnesota. But it's also the scoring and the aggressiveness and the yeah, yeah. There was the game where he made five threes, but he's been doing it in a variety of ways, getting in double figures regularly. Kind of had a quiet double figures against Minnesota with yeah. ten. But I don't. I think you're right. Dimitrik is up there. Right. Maybe he's two or one A. Right, right, but like the, yeah, that's that's the word. That's the key word, right? Like the key. It's there hasn't been a the. You know what I mean? Like it, ha, it but if you're picking between the two since Kobe's departure, I would go with with Aleem, just because of, it seemed like it was never going to happen. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like was it was he ever going to take the necessary step to be the player that. Nigel Hayes thought he could be and the player that Alondo Tucker talked about before the season and the guard and the player that Greg Gard talked about for last season. Like, was he ever going to be that? And he has started to be that in these last this last month. So 
I think that to me is significant. Whiskeyware asks, uh, our question is a two-parter. One, during timeouts, it appears many of the players are contributing to the conversation. Play design, is this unique to this group, the Badgers, or is this common among other teams? I don't know what it looks like with other teams, but I have to imagine if you have a coach that empowers the players that this is something that happens. But I think it does say a lot about where this team is at right now. I think it says a lot about the guy that was that was doing it last night. Brevin? Because yeah. I don't think that's something he would have done last year, certainly not any years before that. But he And Greg talked about how he's become different as a leader and uh, different as vocally. Actually, that he had, that was a really good answer by him too uh, after the press conference. So we'll throw that. This is him talking about, you know, Brevin Pritzel and uh, his final few weeks here as as a Badger. He's done what a senior should do, and I haven't said had to say one word to him about you know this is you're coming down the stretch of your career. Uh, I think over the last four or six weeks, he's really not only from a, how he's played, um, but also his. His vocal leadership, as you mentioned, Tom, he's he's much more vocal than he has ever been throughout his career. And I think uh, just a senior that realizes that uh, you know he's it's, he's headed toward the finish line, and he's playing some of his best basketball on a team that's playing some of its best basketball at the right time of year. So proud of him of how he's taken advantage of this opportunity that he's had. So that's that was Greg talking after the game against Minnesota. It makes sense. This, he's I just talked about Aleem being the guy. Could he ever be the guy that we thought he could be? And Brevin's kind of. Started being the guy that we always thought he could be, and not not just a three point shooter, but defending, rebounding, and uh, and even driving and getting you know trying to get to the hole, trying to get in the lane, trying to not just be uh, you know floating on the perimeter. Like he's been able to do it. I think he's playing with a there's a confidence and a freedom to his game right now. I think when you're younger, if you make a mistake, you're looking over to the bench and wondering if you're going to come out, and like they need him. And we've said before, Greg's never going to tell him to stop shooting. Sometimes he takes some shots. Now, I'm kind of like, what? But he makes some of them. Yeah. And so that confidence and that freedom really goes a long way. There's a great picture. Uh, I think Darren Lee uh, that does photography for Rivals and John McNamara posted it on Twitter. A great picture of Brevin taking that shot in the corner uh, off the scramble. And everybody, everybody if seemingly everybody, I think uh, one of the uh, basketball folks counted it up and said like 15 different guys he counted 15 different people with their three fingers up. Like the ball just just left his hand. How good would it be to just to feel that way about yourself? Like everyone knows as soon as that ball go, is going up, it's going in. And you can see it. I knew if you look throughout the entire crowd, everyone's got arms up. Even Johnny Davis, uh, the uh, the recruit for uh, he was there. He was at the game, and he's got he's got three fingers up too. Like Brett, uh, he is as automatic as a three point shooter in that situation as almost anybody that I, I think I've ever been around. And you can tell his teammates feel the same way. So the other part of that question was, Jesse, do you uh, you practice your radio voice or is it totally natural? I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but I I've always, wasn't aware I had a radio voice, so it, I don't practice it. He said, do you? So I, I, I'm assuming he was meaning me. Um, <laughs> no, I don't practice oh, it. Oh, do you? Okay. Yes. He, I, but I'm, I was going to... I thought you were asking me that I, question. I, I know, I know, I know. No, I, I do not practice it. Good friend J.R. Radcliffe asks, uh, what is the best kind of pretzel? I don't know what that is referencing, except for the fact that I do get a pretzel at the game sometimes. So tell us about it. It's fantastic. The soft pretzels at the games, they're amazing. But I, then you have to pay for it. I do. I do. But I, it's good enough. It's. I'm not going to slam the... 
I'm not going to slam the concession, like the, the food that's being served uh, for the media because it's free. But I, I'm always a huge fan of, uh, of, the, of the, the fare that's always laid out down there. They were out by the time I got there for They're, the Minnesota game. Yeah. So uh, starving sports writer, almost went hungry, but made it out alive. Headlined. Yes. Recommendation for best pretzel in the, town, in the area, though. Great Dane. Solid. Great Dane's good. Huge. Dip it in cheese. Yeah. Life is good. World of Beer has has this monster one that, that and it has beer cheese with it too. Yeah, it's it, there, there's. I'm a connoisseur of pretzels, so. Uh, but either way, um, best kind of pretzel, soft pretzel, uh, big soft pretzel. Not too much salt though. Sometimes they're over salted, and it just your mouth is just like. Yeah, that's why you get the water with the it. Ocean or yeah, something. Yeah, that's why you get the water. You get the water too, and it all works out. And you can always wipe off the salt if you don't like. Like that's the great thing about it. Get as much salt as you possibly can, because you can always knock it off. It's kind of like yeah, no. It's really good. down the rabbit hole here no, on the it's, basketball it's, it's, podcast. No, no, no. Hey, you're so, answering our question. I am. I am. Thanks, JR. Cole Center, finally what it used to be. How do they keep it up? Win games. Keep winning? <laughs> question mark. Keep wearing the 2000 throwbacks. Keep giving away Hawaiian shirts, whatever whatever they were giving away uh, at the game yesterday. Now, the thing is, like, the student section was full, but for some reason, like, I think the third level was just regular people. Is that right? I'm not sure. Did it look that way? Like it looked to me like there were just regular people up there. I was not intently focused on the on the third level, but it was loud. It was. It was as loud. It was the loudest game of the year. Yeah. From from start to finish, like the Michigan State game got pretty loud too. But that that uh, they heard people, right? Um, they, that was um, that was Pat that asked the question. He also asked, "Can we get a can we make start Pritzel a thing for Senior Day?" Brevin's been starting. Yeah. He so just started. I'm, yeah, so I think I think he'll be fine for 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 Wednesday against uh, against Northwestern. Todd asks, "What's going on with Nate Reavers on the offensive side? Appears to be struggling right now." I said this before. I think sometimes he has issues with the bigger, more physical post players, and Oturu is definitely that guy. But just be more consistent. Yeah, I don't know. He did not have a great game. He didn't score until the what twelve fifty three left in the second half. And that happened against Purdue, except that he went off and wound up with double figures. Yeah. He didn't score until the second half in that game. Right. And then the Michigan game, didn't have, he had two points. There were big two points um, towards the end of that game where he hit the turnaround. I still don't know how that went in, but um, he just, yeah, he just, it's been off a little bit. And it's made Micah's offensive ability that much better. And where there are some limitations, I, still some limitations defensively for Micah. There's no doubt about that, but... His offense has been desperately needed from the bigs because Nate has not necessarily been great as ever. Right, uh, great right now. Uh, Zach says uh, Ford's transformation since Kobe left has been big, rebounding, scrappy plays, taking the ball to the hole. Do you think it was a blessing Kobe left? Blessing for the program, the team, Aleem, all of them. Blessing. I don't know if that's the right word. It's been. <laughs> More beneficial than I would have ever envisioned. I They're playing better without him, and it's just remarkable. And so maybe it did take that to kick some guys in the pants and give them the boost they needed, because if they didn't step up, the season wasn't going to be what it's become. Yeah. I think the the best part was that if you had a guy that was unhappy, would you really want him around the program? What would that look like if he was unhappy and he was still around the program? So right. if you if you eliminate that, then everybody else can kind of rally around each other. And I guess my long this is a rambling answer to saying it's been good for the program 
And I never thought that was possible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's, uh, we learned late last week that he's going to end up at Nebraska. He's committed to Nebraska. Good fit. Well, Nebraska's not a good team. They've got and a, but he's going to get a lot of opportunities to score and shoot. Well, they've got a lot of, tra- I mean, they've had, a, they had a lot of, they, it's kind of Fred Hoiberg's thing. They've got a lot of transfers coming in. They've got guys sitting out this year. I don't think Kobe's going to have to sit out, whether it's through the waiver process or whether it's through the NCAA passing the rule that allows one-time transfers. Either way, I, I, I envision he's going to be on the floor next year for them. Um, look forward to his first trip back to the Cole Center. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. And Tyler, we'll finish with this one. How awesome is it going to be this time next Sunday when Wisconsin is outright Big Ten champions? Well, if you're a Badgers fan, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> Selfishly for us, I guess it'd be awesome because there might be more people listening. Yeah. No, I look, if if they somehow end up being like the number one seed in that Big Ten tournament, <laughs> it's going to be so so weird. How, how want, could this happen? They win there too. Maryland loses one. Loses one because they have the tiebreaker. Yeah. And assuming they don't tie with the other teams. Yeah. So so Michigan State and Illinois have to lose one. Lose one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an impossibility. It's not an impossibility. I, you know, I would like to see Wisconsin come out and play a little bit better offensively on on Wednesday, right? Shoot the ball a little bit better. Now the thing is, like everyone's, you know, they didn't get to double digit number of threes, but they did hit eight, eight of twenty four. Bo Ryan's whole thing was equal or better the number of points you get from threes on the number that you take. Does that make sense? So they took they took twenty four. They got twenty four points off them. It's a good night. It works. Equal two or more, right? Accurate? Well, again, I'm no math major, but I do think that adds But up. that was his thing. Yeah. That was his thing. He would always talk about that. So it worked. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them play a little bit better, shoot a little bit better against Northwestern so that uh, maybe feeling good about it when they go to Assembly Hall. But again, six wins in a row, likely get to seven on Wednesday, and then you never know what happens uh, in the, these other two games for, for Maryland and the other teams that are playing, and, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But again, we could, by the time we talk next week, could be talking about a Big Ten championship for Wisconsin. Let me put you on the spot. You can put me on the spot week from now. I haven't even asked a question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Will Wisconsin earn a share of the Big Ten regular season championship? I don't think so. I, I, I think they beat Northwestern. I think Maryland loses a game, but I think I don't know if I don't think they win at Assembly Hall. I'm feeling the same way. Nothing wrong with that. If you close seven and one, no, and finish in the top four of this league, it'd be pretty amazing. I predict- but it would be almost the ultimate gut punch for them to get so close. Let's say Maryland loses the next game. Maryland loses at Rutgers or something like that, yeah. and the door is wide open, and they right. go into Assembly Hall and don't win that game. That's a hard place to win. It is. It's a hard place to win, and as we've talked about, I think a lot is it's going to be a big game too. Um, now, Indiana believes is in the tournament at this moment, um, but. They need more win. They, you know, they would love to have a win against a quad one win like Wisconsin would give them. So we'll see how it plays out. Maybe we'll talk be talking Big Ten championship next week or not. Uh, we don't think so, but I've, the Badgers have proved everybody else wrong these last this last month. So they can just keep on going ahead and doing it for everybody else. I'll eat crow. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Certainly not the first time for me either. But won't be uh, the last. No, Jesse. Thank you. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to the Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.